You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today, we have Jill Keynes from Face Forward Medical on with us today. Um, Jill, thanks so much for being here with us. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. So why don't you give us a little bit of uh, nursing background? What kind of nurse are you? And, and uh, then we'll talk about how that got you to where, you're, where you are today. Sure, absolutely. Um, I basically started out in surgical subspecialty, so I was a bedside nurse. I graduated from nursing back in 2003, um, and I was fortunate enough um, to land a job essentially in critical care. Almost right out of school, I was in a step-down unit and then quickly transferred to a surgical ICU, which is where I felt you know, I really thrived and where I'd probably be for the duration of my career. But I quickly went to NP school. I graduated in 2006 with my family nurse practitioner and I transitioned over to colorectal surgery. So I still had that piece of critical care. I saw a lot of patients in the ICU from um, post-op. And then I was dabbling into a little bit of aesthetics on the side. Um, I was just working three hour, three 12-hour shifts. Um, I had a lot of extra time. I wasn't married yet. I didn't have kids yet. And I took a job in aesthetics where they provided all of the training. Um, so I did a lot of nights and weekends or days that I was not working in the ICU, but I was working for a large um, chain med spa at the time and in, located in New England. And then I ultimately ended up starting a family and getting married and I left behind the aesthetics because I felt at that point I had worked really hard in nursing school and I felt almost like it may have been a little bit of a cop-out if I went into aesthetics full-time. Um, so I kind of dropped that and stayed in surgical subspecialties up until recently in 2018 when I opened my own med spa. So what changed for you? What, what, how did your perspective change that you thought it was okay to, to do aesthetics? So when I really thought about you know, what I loved about nursing, I mean, obviously we all went to nursing because we like caring for people and making a difference in their lives. Um, but why I really loved intensive care in that environment was because it was constantly changing and evolving and growing. And I felt like I was constantly stimulated and learning and growing with the industry. And aesthetics is almost identical to that. Um, obviously, intensive care, critical care nursing, um, the burnout rate is pretty high. Um, and I definitely had reached that point. Um, so... And I had always stayed current with aesthetics. I always followed it from the background. And I knew that if I did ever go back into aesthetics that I would do it on my own terms just because of the environment that I was working in previously. So there was just so much to learn in aesthetics. And of course, it's fun um, when you're working for someone else, not necessarily <laughs> for yourself, but um, it can be glamorous. Um, but also, it's, there's just so much to learn. The industry is just still, it's like just changing daily. Um, and there's just so much to learn. So I 
really found that it was stimulating my brain just as critical care was. Um, and I was ready for that change. Was it hard to get started in aesthetics? Because I hear that a lot, like a lot of nurses are just, you know, desperately looking for somebody to train them nowadays, and they're struggling to find that. Was it the same with you? So I think back in 2006, it was a little bit different. I think at that point, the company that I worked for was not owned by a medical um, person. It was owned by a businessman, and they needed somebody who had a nurse practitioner degree to be in their practice to be able to see patients um, and make clinical decisions without a medical director on site. So I think timing was in my favor um, and on my side. And, um, and like I said, they were willing to train me. I went, I mean, I went, got sent to New York to train at different med spas and all around Boston um, to train with different providers. So when I transitioned back in, I had a few years of experience under my belt, although it was, had been years. Um, I spent a lot of money that first year in advanced training um, and just traveling around the country and, and meeting mentors and um, out of my own pocket, obviously. But that, I think, helped my reputation as a new business. Yeah, I've heard that about med spa that, you know, a lot of these um, advanced trainers there, I mean, they can charge five, $10,000 for a weekend to, to work with them. Um, and it, it's, um, it seems like a steep financial <laughs> learning curve yeah. to get involved. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like can't put a price tag on that type of education. I, looking back into critical care, I would go home and lose sleep at night because I'd be worrying about, you know, if my patient's not going to make it out of surgery. When it's a patient that you're dealing with, whether it's a critical scenario where they're coming out of surgery or you've just done an elective procedure on someone's face and you're hoping that their outcome is what, you know, they were looking to achieve and you didn't cause any injury or harm, it's a good day. So I think that you need to have that confidence and that foundation in order to move forward and build confidence in this industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because I can't even imagine making mistakes on somebody's face like that. that could, it's, it seems like a high risk type of a business almost to have. So, um, so you did this for, you were doing medical aesthetics for years working for somebody else. Uh, you took a break or, or not, like a real break, but went back into, um, I guess, hospital as a hospital yeah. NP. Uh, what, where was the impetus? Like, did you wake up one day and, and say, I'm going to, I think I'll start my business now, or how did that transition? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I had always followed aesthetics from the periphery. Um, and it was definitely something that as the industry was evolving and growing, I felt like I was losing track of because I wasn't in the business anymore. Um, and I was done having kids and I was, um, you know, my kids were getting a little bit older and I just felt like, okay, it's now or never. Like, I'm either going to do this on my own and take this leap. Obviously, as I'm sure many of your guests talk about, you know, getting tired of the nine to five working for someone else. I really wanted to do something that was on my own terms. The hospital at, at the time, there's like, in in my particular environment, there was so much turnover and so much uncertainty that I just felt like the stars were aligning. And I just literally did basically take a leap of faith and said, okay, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to put 
because I considered doing it on the side a little bit and just seeing how it goes. And I felt like I just wouldn't be able to put my best foot forward if I did it um, in that fashion. So I just decided to go all in. Um, and like I said, really spent that first year training. I completely left my other job um, and just and just found a space. And um, since then, we've we've since doubled in size. We just finished a build out, unfortunately, right before COVID. <laughs> but yeah, there was a turning point where I just felt like, okay, now's the time I want to do this. I'm, I feel stagnant in what I'm doing currently, and I'm not. I'm not. You know, why am I doing this if it isn't if it isn't making me happy? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's definitely. Um... Uh, that that's a hard transition to go from one job to a business um, and you know to, to take that leap of faith is is very very hard but um, commendable on, on your part and I'm glad that worked out for you um, so the it looks like you offer um, quite a few services did you start out offering just a couple services or did you how did you decide what you were going to offer in the beginning yeah, I didn't. So again, when I decided to go all in at first, I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll start out small and just offer a couple of injectable services. Um, but I really wanted to um, offer patients basically from, from start to finish things that um, we could help them with. So I just ended up you know, I got a really great laser and offered laser services for facial resurfacing and things like that. Um, and then obviously injectables and um, microneedling and things just to help with facial rejuvenation. So I did not start off small. Um, I, there's a lot of things, you know, at my practice at this point um, that I'm not looking to do, but I did not start off just offering a few things. What I offer now is what I offered from the beginning. Okay. Um, and how, how were you able to find your clients? Like, where did they come from when you first opened? So it was definitely, definitely business to business reach out. Um, and it was also a lot of networking. So my business has grown organically. I um, have used very limited marketing services. I think a lot of people in this industry will tell you the same, which is that people promise and don't deliver. Um, so a lot of it was social media and really just standing behind my work. So, you know, every patient that comes in similar with bedside nursing, my patient comes first. So slowly, um, that first year I was just able to build my reputation on word of mouth. Patients come in and they, there's unfortunately this stigma or aesthetics that if you do injectables or you're going to look crazy, like someone in Hollywood and distorted and not like yourself and our philosophy really is to maintain a natural result. Nobody wants people to know that they had injectables done or they went somewhere. And I always say like, my best patient is the one who walks out and nobody ever knows that anything has ever been done to them. Um, and I feel like that's the biggest request I get from patients. And I, and I really stand behind that. Really the overall health of patient's skin and the overall look um, that, they're, that I'm looking to achieve as well as them together. Um, and so it really was just building on reputation and, and word of Yeah, no, that's, that's something I'm worried about too. <laughs> you know, when I think of Botox and fillers, I'm like, I don't want to look plastic. You know, I want to yeah. look, you know, yeah. real. <laughs> um, 
but so, but how long does that process take? Like it's, you know, let's say you're opening your doors January 1, like how far in advance would you start? I would say it's been hard because COVID hit, but you know, that first year I was happy if I had, you know, two new patients a week. I was like, oh my gosh, how do, how do these people even know who I am? Um, and there's, there was a lot of forums that I was on in the town where my business is located, just letting people know that I was there. Um, and I didn't discount any of my services to get people in the door because I feel like, again, like I invested so much of my time in training um, to offer the level of service that I'm promising I can deliver. So I wasn't counting on being like some discount place that people put on. I really wanted to give people, um, you know, expert, expert um, outcomes. So the first couple months, if I had a couple patients in the door, I was like so happy. Um, but from there, it really did start to snowball. And um, as my Instagram followers grew and my Facebook followers grew and were through town that I was here and able to offer these types of also very low, no pressure types of free consults to patients, just talking to them about skin and skin health and you know some possible um, outcomes they were looking to achieve. It, it just grew organically from there. Yeah, I love that. Um, so how has your business changed with COVID? So it sounds like you were about to open, what, a new store or... And then Same place. We had just, we opened at 800 square feet. So I was initially trying, as much as I was um, trying to offer a variety of services, I was trying to keep my overhead low. So I found a place that had, um, you know, low rent. And I, I remember I went to this because there's no business um, courses in nursing at all. So, you know, like from a business perspective, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants but I knew that the patient had to come first and then I would deal with the business stuff after. And I remember right before I was about to open, I was, I was starting to get nervous. Like, how are these patients going to show up? How are they even going to know who I am? Where are they going to come from? And so someone had given me the name of like a business consultant. Um, and I was like, maybe I should just have a phone call with them. So I called them and they were like, oh my goodness, you're in a biz, uh, basement space and that's terrible location. And you need like $5 million to start your own business. Five million? Successful. Yes, you need to have, you know, we come in and we look at everything from the flow, your floor plan to how many windows you should have. And and I was like, oh my gosh. This is too much. (laughs) Maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Like maybe, maybe this is wrong. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with my gut. I've already come this far. I'm just going to take the plunge and do it and do it the way that I think is is right. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. Um, and I couldn't have been happier because the basement space that I'm in actually is incredibly um, beneficial because patients don't want to walk out on Main Street with their face swollen from laser procedures or, you know, red or bruised, depending on what they have, or they don't even want people to know they were there in the first place. So it's very nice that people have an option where they can come in and out and kind of be low key. Nobody really noticed them. And then from there we were, we were running out of space and the space next door happened to be open. So we went from 800 square feet to 1600 square feet. We went from three treatment rooms to seven treatment rooms. 
um, after that first year. And then we literally finished our build out and closed. <laughs> um, but since opening back up, it's been um, very busy, actually. Um, business really just picked up right where it left off. It's just staffing has been a little bit uncertain because we weren't really sure if we were going to end up having to close again. So I didn't really invest as much in my business right out of the gates because I just didn't know where we were going to be in a few months. Right. Um, so now are you in kind of like a high density area like LA or like where are you operating out of? I'm in a suburb of Boston. So it's a, it's a, um, larger town in, in Boston, but um, definitely not city, no. Okay, and do you, uh, in the state of Massachusetts as a nurse practitioner, are you independent or do you have to have a medical director? You have to have a medical director. Okay, and has that been a problem for you? I mean, has that been difficult for you to, to find somebody and work with that person? No, so fortunately I've been able to have my husband as my medical director. Oh, so that's, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've heard through the grapevine that Massachusetts is about to be um, a state that declares nurse practitioners independent, but that has not happened yet. Yeah. Yay. Well, hopefully, yeah. I, I mean, that, that might be the one good thing that comes out of COVID is, you know, all these states uh, see the desperate need for nurse practitioners. But um, all right. So moving kind of like uh, moving forward, what is kind of... Um, what are, do you have like a big vision of what you see? Do you have expansion plans? Like um, what do you anticipate um, yeah, happening? Definitely. Um, so I, I don't want to um, franchise. I don't want to actually open up multiple locations. I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe in five years or so if my business continues to go at the rate that it has grown um, this far, definitely moving into a larger space. Um, and just having obviously more um, employees and offering more services. I think that when I first um, opened my business, when I was thinking about like how I was going to run my business, I was thinking about what kind of med spa I would want to go to um, if I was going to a med spa. And I didn't want to go somewhere where, you know, you walk into a store to buy a pair of shoes and three sales associates come at you and they're asking you, what shoes do you want? What are you looking for? And you don't even know what you're looking for, really. You're, you're just maybe browsing or maybe you just, but you just feel so much pressure because people are breathing down your neck. We have patients come in. Um, like I said, we offer free consultations and I I feel like that's an hour that I get to spend with somebody to really get to know them on a more personal level and, and my esthetician that works with me, I had another nurse that was working for me. We all felt the same way. And I feel like if I was to have multiple locations or franchise or do something like that, I would lose that piece. And I feel like that is what drives a lot of patients into my business versus others. Um, so I wouldn't mind expanding my one space and expanding my employees as long as I was able to maintain the same philosophy and keep that experience personal as we are now. Yeah, and I, I, the, the sales piece of that I think is amazing. You know, the kind of that no pressure um, sales consultation because um, I mean, most of marketing is about teaching people and then, you know, the opportunity is there if they want it, but it's not like, you know, like you said, breathing down your neck. And I'm that type of person that won't go in a store if there's too many salespeople lurking around, you know, just like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> um, 
so I think that the free consultations is a great way to get to know your clients and to avoid kind of like that whole sales pitch because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel natural. The nurses in general don't like doing it. I don't think most people like doing it. Um, but at the same time, you're offering your expertise and your knowledge on the on that topic. Uh, do you get like lots of um, nurses asking you to um, mentor them or help them get started in their own med spas? Yeah, so I'm interning a nurse practitioner right now who's actually from um, Las Vegas. So she's interning with me for a few months. She doesn't know yet if she wants to open her own med spa or work for somebody for a while, but you know, it was very similar to what you had talked about previously. She was offered a job where um, so nobody was going to be on site. She would be the only person there. So she didn't feel comfortable with that. I definitely get a lot of just cold, I say cold call, but like emails from um, nurses or nurse practitioners looking for jobs, um, estheticians. Yeah. Just looking to break into the industry. Right. Um, so what is, what are some of the more popular things that um, people come into your clinic for? So I would say the number one thing that we do is Botox for sure. Um, but then outside of that, we definitely do a lot of laser um, resurfacing, like laser skin rejuvenation. We really try to drive home that if patients come in and they have a budget of X amount of dollars, I, I never steer them towards injectables first. I always steer patients towards skincare for, first because again, just as any nursing field, you know, your overall health is the most important and skin health definitely needs to be a priority. So um, we really do try to start with making sure, that, and even if patients aren't buying products that medical grade products, that I sell, I do like to counsel them and educate them on what the most important skincare ingredients are and making sure that they have those at home. Um, but definitely Botox is number one, but we really try to focus on skincare. And do you have your own um, line of, do you have your own line of medical grade products or do you um, sell another brand or? I sell another brand. I, I spent a lot of time training with um, Zeno Baji, who's a dermatologist from LA, um, from Beverly Hills. And I really stand behind his philosophy. And it's basically the foundation of everything that we offer for patients um, regarding skin care and skin health. Um, yeah, no, that's, it's, it's better than trying to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> you know, so if you find something that's great, like just stick with it. Um, and it, it also drives a lot of new patients to the practice because again there's a there's a med spa on every corner people can go wherever they want um but oftentimes patients consumers nowadays i guess you could say know what they want um and so patients who are looking for that specific brand will come to us because we carry it and then we build relationships from there so is um what would you consider your main marketing platform social media is Which definitely one? like Instagram or? Yeah. So we recently hired um, right before COVID. No, actually right after COVID, we hired a social media manager and she doesn't do marketing per se, but she really does such a great job with local um, outreach. So people talk about engaging on Instagram, which I didn't know anything about that. So I would go on Instagram and like everyone's stuff. And it was all people who were in my industry. 
And so that wasn't driving new patients to my practice, obviously. So she has done a fantastic job in local businesses, local landscapers, local florists, and just commenting on their stuff. And it just puts me on their radar. And then people who happen to follow them see my name on there and who's this, you know? Um, and that has really helped, I would say, in the, since COVID drive a lot of patients into my practice. That's awesome. Um, and are you also on, you're also on YouTube? Is that a big channel for you? It's not a huge channel for me, um, but yes, I am on YouTube. I need to grow my YouTube channel a little more. That's a goal for 2021. <laughs> we all have like that platform that we have to grow still. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, I mean, you try to focus on the patient, but then being a provider in office and providing services from inside of my business and then working on my business from the outside is very challenging. I have to say my first year, it was really hard to find the balance between the two. Um, but now I'm outsourcing a little bit more. Obviously I just hired a social media manager. Um, we're hiring an office manager. We, I just need help because it's very hard to wear all of those hats. Yeah, yeah, it is. And at some point it gets to the point that things don't happen because you can't do everything. Um, and it's, yeah, it starts costing you uh, in different ways, not just time and money, but, um, you know, if you're not on social media or you're not, uh, your office manager isn't managing the office, like, yeah, that gets to be a huge problem with people yeah. that are coming in. Uh, I see you also are doing um, Botox parties. Those are on hold for now. Definitely. We actually never, our build out when we first, um, very first, not the second build out, but when we first moved into our office space, we, the build out was just getting delayed and delayed. And that's really when we were offering Botox parties. I have to say, we've actually never really hosted a Botox party in the office. Um, we have that there for, patients if they feel more comfortable coming with friends. But at the end of the day, I think that if you're able to break the ice and have a consultation with a patient, they actually feel more comfortable doing that themselves. We are really trying to invest in the patient and have a long-term relationship with them, not really just grabbing a group of friends, whoever's available that night, come to me and then, you know, four months later, go find someone else. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know that because, but as soon as you find somebody that does your Botox um, the way that you like it, I mean that that's a keeper. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, okay. So, what? Tell us, kind of like, um, I guess, what the twenty twenty one, how you're going to start off twenty twenty one, and then also where people can find you. Yeah, definitely. So 2021 is definitely going to be our year of expansion. We were just trying to get through these. Um, I wish we had a crystal ball to let us know, you know, are we going to be open? Are we not going to be open? But, you know, this is this COVID is here to stay and we can't, you know, plan life um, on the uncertainty. So we're definitely growing. We're hiring an office manager. We're hiring another nurse practitioner. We're hiring another esthetician. Um, and we're just going to push through and push forward and continue focusing on our patients, making them a priority. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll grow into a bigger space and that would be great. That's awesome. Um, okay. And where can people find you? So I'm at um, Instagram, face forward MA from Massachusetts. Um, 
or www.faceforwardmedical.com. And we are in Lexington, Massachusetts. All right, Jill. Well, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much.